This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Well, when you think of 3D printing, you might think of a new cell phone case, maybe printing, well, any number of things. But global experts have gathered right here in Vancouver at UBC, and they're discussing the latest trends in 3D bioprinting. This is something that can print tissue, it can print organs, and could have a huge impact on healthcare in the future. Joining me to talk a little bit more about this and about what's being discussed is a UBC chemical and biological engineering professor, Vikramaditya Yadav, and he joins us on the line. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, good morning, Jill. Pleasure to be here. Good morning. Uh, so with global experts uh, all talking about this, so what exactly are, are you talking about when it comes to uh, printing things such as living tissue and organs? Uh, so as you said, so you know, three D bioprinting uh, is not something that the people are are very uh, you know accustomed to. So you you know, as you said, people are generally familiar with three D printing cell phone cases and things like that. Uh, so what is required in order to make this technology mainstream is is one of the issues that was being discussed. Uh, and and on that note, you know, what are some of the major applications where uh, where we see 3D bioprinting actually making a difference in the healthcare system? Uh, so things such as drug testing, uh, all the way up to the level of transplantation. Uh, and uh, there are many stakeholders involved in the field. So there is a lot of academic research being done. Uh, industry, the pharmaceutical industry, is also uh, involved in in this uh, avenue. So, how do you actually connect and engage uh, the academics with the industries? How do you make sure that they're solving common problems in order to make the technology mainstream? Uh, and then, how does it go from being a cool uh, thing that or cool tool that people have uh, in the labs? Uh, all the way to it making a difference in the clinic and actually making a difference in everyday life. So that translation from uh, from bedside to bedside uh, is is something that uh, is being discussed uh, at this roundtable. And uh, I think this might be jumping ahead a little bit, but when people see this or hear about this, I mean, the idea that we could print organs, I mean, that would be such a game changer when we look at the thousands of people who are waiting to be matched with organ donation. Is that something you see happening in the future? Uh, it is definitely one of the objectives. So, you know, p- p- engineers and scientists, you know, we're an ambitious lot, and this is definitely one of our, our key goals. Uh, when it, it, it's so, if is no is uh, is one of the questions, and uh, the science and development uh, that has been taking place is definitely addressing that. So there's been good progress. Uh, so now the key question is, you know, when do you do we actually see it making a difference? So there have, depending on certain simple tissue types, there it has already been uh, introduced in some uh, clinical contexts. Uh, but has it has it become mainstream? Not yet. There's still a lot of uh, development that needs to be done. It's one thing to actually try this out, you know, in one-off cases, uh, and it's an entirely different uh, challenge in order to make this something. I mean, not off the shelf, but at least something that can be routinely used in our healthcare system. And that was also one of the issues that that was being discussed. Uh, and and as you can imagine, for uh, you know, so if you have a headache, you go out and you you buy uh, you know aspirin. Uh, 
there is a lot of quality control that goes into the manufacture of these pharmaceutical agents. They're, they're highly regulated. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's issues such as quality, cost, and pricing. And these are issues that have to be addressed because this is a completely, uh, it's a new technology. Uh, it's not, uh, the, you know, the regulatory agencies don't have a lot of experience with, with these technologies. So uh, what is required in order to make this uh Something that you and I need or, or can use as an off-the-shelf product is is something which is very important, and regulation is one of the key issues. and And as you know, it takes about six to ten years for any pharmaceutical product to get regulatory approval. Uh, it could be longer for some of these things because you want to make sure that you know when you're talking about artificial organs, let's say you're you're implanting an artificial heart. You can just imagine how complex that is. Uh, it's it's a completely different scale of complexity compared to consuming a pill. Uh, where does the material come from? If we're printing tissue or printing a new organ, wh- wh- where does that come from? So, so essentially, so you can actually break the printing process down into. So we use materials that are first of all they have to be compatible with the body. So they have to be biocompatible. Uh, and typically when uh, when an organ or a tissue is printed the way it is done is that so there's there's two parts to that so there's there's the the bio ink uh which is essentially the matrix and that matrix is essentially a, it's it's a polymer matrix it it comprises of the polymer there's water and then it has all the the juices that are needed for the cells to thrive in that matrix uh, and then the second component is uh, they they're the cells so where do the materials come from? So you have the bio the, the biopolymers. So that's one component. And there's there's you know they're currently manufactured uh, using a variety of of methods. And biopolymers are used in a lot of uh, medical implants and and medical devices. So that is a conventional material. Uh, there is a lot of innovation going into making the biopolymers and biomaterials. Uh, you know, so that they are conducive for actually growing and sustaining the development of cells inside them. So that's one avenue of innovation. And the cells themselves, now they can come from a variety of sources. So the one, uh, you know, the, the ideal or the utopic uh, vision is to use cells from the patients themselves. Uh, so, you know, so for example, they could be primary cells that you can get from from the patients themselves. Uh, these cells are most compatible with the with the patient's body, so there is a minimal chance of immune rejection. Uh, and then at the other end of the spectrum is you can actually just have a cellular manufacturing process where you're mass-producing cells, uh, and then these cells are then uh, and these cells could be something as st- such as stem cells. Uh, and then these stem cells can also be injected into the bio inks, and then you could be printing tissues from them. So you can use a whole variety of cells. Uh, and uh, and both of these uh, modalities have seen tremendous uh, innovations. Actually, one of the world leaders in manufacturing cellular products is actually based in Canada. It's the CCRM, uh, which is the Center for Commercialization of Regenerative Medicines. And the, the chief scientific officer of CCRM was one of the, the delegates at this roundtable. Uh, it's it's fascinating uh, research. Um, just before I let you go, uh, you mentioned it, it takes several years for any uh, pharmaceutical product to get approval to be on the market. Uh, how how far down the road do you think it, it will be until this is more, more common? So... Uh, 
So 3D printed tissues are actually being used in the drug development pipeline. So as you can imagine, when you're when you're developing a drug, it has to go from uh, you, you're first uh, doing chemistry experiments at you know at the lab bench. These are then tested against a simple tissues. It then might uh, you know graduates into testing in animals, and then finally into clinical trials, and then it finally makes its way to patients. So. Uh, most examples or celebrated examples of 3D printed tissues is is in the is in the realm of drug testing. So uh, there are a lot of very good 3D printed tissue models of uh, of investigative systems. So you uh, examples are the livers, the kidneys, uh, and there are a lot of companies that have actually commercialized some of these platforms and are being actively used by the pharmaceutical industry. So that is is uh, you know front and center for the field right now. In terms of how long does it take uh, for us to actually have, uh, it depends on tissue types. Uh, there are some good examples of skin and bone uh, printed tissue that have been, that are being tested and are showing promise. Uh, and uh, the engineers have been able to capture the complexity of some of these tissue types. Not, not still the, the, the level of complexity as it occurs in the human body, but they're making they're they're definitely there thereabouts in terms of the complexity. So uh, the next big uh, you know foray uh, or where you would see the next products is probably in the area of skin and bone. Uh, and there are successful you know one-off. Uh, type cases where you know research groups have been investigating with implants. They've shown promise in in mice transplants, and now there are plans on actually slowly graduating to to more complex organisms. Ultimately, even even human testing. So I would say uh, conservatively, you would say it, it, or optimistically, not conservatively, optimistically, it should take about next ten to fifteen years. That's including the regulation uh, approval times. Uh, but uh, more complex organs such as the heart, uh, liver, uh, you know, even even something as complex as the brain, we're we're looking at a few decades down the line. All right, uh, Professor Yadav, we'll have to leave it there. But thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Jill. It's a pleasure chatting with you. All right, have a good day. You too. Vancouver's news, Vancouver's talk. This is News Talk nine eighty CKNW.